Thank you all for tuning in to Melee. This is our weekly news podcast based right here in Omaha, Nebraska. And I just wanted to start off this show by asking you all to please support the show. Um, This show takes a lot of work. We have a lot of people involved and we just want to grow it and keep getting better. And if you could send this podcast out to a friend, if you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you're listening, that would be amazing. And if you want to support the show financially, you can go to patreon.com slash Melee News. Today on Melee. Ice whistleblower alleges medical negligence and mass hysterectomies on immigrant women. OPS begins phased in-person learning and COVID-19 testing for teachers. Grand jury brings multiple indictments against Jake Gardner for the killing of James Scurlock. So how are you doing today, Les? You know, I'm actually pretty good. And how are you doing, Josh? I, you know, I had a good bike ride today. I found some some roads over in the Ponca Hills. Oh, nice. Nice. That uh, I've never ridden on, and it was super fun. Those endorphins give you yeah. so much. I was I having a rough day before that, to be completely honest, but okay. that definitely put me in a better mood. Well, I'm glad. Well, there's a lot of stuff there is. in Omaha. There's a lot of, a lot there's of news. A lot of news. We had a lot of big things happen this week. Uh, <clears throat> and so there's a lot to discuss. So with that, let's just hop into the headlines. Yeah, let's get there. Let's get there. Don Wooten, a nurse who worked at Erwin County Detention Center in Osceola, Georgia, accused the facility of medical neglect and unsanitary work practices, which helped the spread of COVID-19. A formal complaint was filed on behalf of detained immigrants and Ms. Wooten by advocacy groups earlier this week, and top congressional Democrats, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, are calling for a federal investigation. Allegations include refusing to test symptomatic detainees for COVID-19, withholding information about positive cases, shredding medical requests and fabricating records, and allowing the transfer of detainees who have tested positive. Multiple immigrant women have also expressed concerns regarding the high rate of hysterectomies performed in the facility. For those who don't know, a hysterectomy is the surgical removal of the uterus and can also include the removal of the cervix, ovaries, and fallopian tubes. According to the complaint, one detainee talked to five women who received hysterectomies in the later half of 2019. She said they reacted with confusion when explaining why they had the surgery done and questioned their ability to fully understand and consent to the procedure, as reported by NPR. The alleged mass hysterectomies done at this ICE detention center are reminiscent of a long history of forced sterilization of Black, Latina, and Native American and incarcerated women, as well as women with disabilities in the U.S. That's nasty. This is awful. I mean... This might be one of the worst pieces of news I've heard in a very long time. It's like, this is... Devastating. It gives me a stomachache. And this is like one of the things that doesn't get talked about often. Like when this time of like make America great again in the fifties mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And the earlier, you know, 1900s, they were like taking native American women's children. They were doing forced sterilizations and they were sending them to like white schools to like learn how to yeah. be more quote unquote white. To and convert them to like white people. Yeah. Like, and they did that in Canada too. The long history of this. I'm like, my God, I didn't. I had no idea that this was happening so regularly. You know, throughout our, throughout my it's, lifetime. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's get back. Get Move back on. there. Yeah, let's get back there. Hundreds are rescued as Hurricane Sally floods Alabama and Florida. 
As Sally leaves catastrophic flooding in southern Alabama and the Florida Panhandle, fallen trees and standing water leave cars and homes damaged, as well as roads completely blocked. At least 377 people have been rescued in Escambia County, Florida, and one shelter has opened to accommodate the rush of evacuees. Estimates say 300,000 to 500,000 people have lost power as Hurricane Sally continues to move at a glacial pace of around 7 miles per hour, with some areas projected to receive 35 inches of rain by the end of the storm. With forest fires continuing to rage on the opposite coast in California, it's evident climate change is exacerbating the effects of natural disasters. This hurricane season has been one of the more active in history, and rising temperatures have been shown to make hurricanes wetter and slower as the atmosphere can hold more moisture. The city of Louisville agrees to a settlement in the wrongful death lawsuit brought by the family of Breonna Taylor. While investigations by Kentucky's Attorney General Daniel Cameron and the FBI are still underway, the city of Louisville has agreed to a settlement with the family of Breonna Taylor. The settlement is estimated at around $12 million and includes over a dozen police reforms to prevent future harm. Reforms include receiving permission from a commanding officer to perform a search warrant. On March 13th, Breonna Taylor, a black first responder, was killed in her apartment while police executed a no-knock warrant. The search warrant came from an investigation into two men selling drugs who did not live near Taylor's home. Recent information cited by the Taylor family explains that the shooting was connected to a mass operation to gentrify part of western Louisville, the predominantly black community of the city. Courier-Journal states, lawyers for Taylor's family allege in court documents filed Sunday that a police squad named Place-Based Investigations had deliberately misled narcotics detectives to target a home, leading them to believe they were after some of the city's largest violent crime and drug rings. The lawyers for the Taylor family explained that the city has a multi-million dollar project with Vision Russell Development. The connection between this and the searches gives evidence that the search warrant likely was part of a larger goal to remove renters and homeowners from the area in an expedited process for development purposes. The Taylor's family lawyer, Ben Crump, explained the settlement is a small guarantee of some justice for Brianna. Since the event, one of the officers was fired and the two others are on administrative reassignment. Kentucky's Attorney General and the FBI are still investigating and could release an announcement soon. This is a sign of why gentrification is violent. Mm-hmm. And this right. is a this is an extreme example of the violence. I mean, not to mention like the whole idea of wanting to like push people out of their homes is already yeah. violent in, in itself. But this is just more of a clear extreme example of the violence of gentrification. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten makes a big reverse. The Big Ten Conference reversed its decision to postpone fall sports and approved a nine-game season for college football. Players and coaches will get daily antigen tests, and any player who tests positive will undergo a series of heart tests in case of any lasting effects from the virus. Coaches and players' family members are the only people allowed to watch the games in person. Douglas County sees a decrease in cases. Douglas County has seen a slight decrease in the coronavirus positivity rate in the last four weeks. The county health director, Adi Poor, is encouraged that cases remain on a downward trend as schools and universities reopened, but does not think safety restrictions should be lifted anytime soon. All Nebraska counties except Lancaster passed the threshold to move on to phase four of the state's reopening plan. However, 99 hospitalizations due to COVID-19 were recently reported, which is the highest peak since August 25th. City Council members Ben Gray and Pete Festerson plan to include an extension on Omaha's mask mandate 
that currently expires on October 20th. And there's trouble on Greek Row. The University of Nebraska at Lincoln suspended four sororities and two fraternities last week. Videos surfaced of the groups holding large gatherings without coronavirus safety precautions. Members and supporters of the Greek Life organizations have gathered over 2,000 online signatures on a petition protesting their suspension. OPS begins phased in-person learning and COVID-19 testing for teachers. Omaha Public Schools announced a phased approach to in-person learning for the first time since March. Superintendent Cheryl Logan says the plan is to get students back in classrooms by October 19th, the start of the second quarter. Schools will be opening under the district's Family 3-2 model, a staggering schedule of sorts, dividing students into two groups which will alternate between in-person and virtual learning days each week. Winter sports and activities will begin in November as well. Remote learning will still be an option for those families who do not feel comfortable or are at risk sending students back to school. OPS will also be regularly testing all staff for COVID-19. Districts not mandating testing for teachers or student teachers include Bellevue, Bennington, Gretna, Millard, Papillion La Vista, Springville, Platteview, Ralston, Westside, Douglas County West, Elkhorn Public Schools, as well as Grand Island, as reported by the Omaha World Herald. That's crazy. <laughs> I thought the list was never going to end. I was like, oh my God, I'm still reading. I know, I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Grand jury brings multiple indictments against Jake Gardner for the killing of James Skurlock. The grand jury announced this week that indictments will be brought against Jake Gardner. The grand jury was called to investigate the death of James Skurlock after he was fatally shot by Gardner during protests on May 30th. Special prosecutor Frederick Franklin announced the indictments, which include use of a deadly weapon to commit a felony, manslaughter, attempted first-degree assault, and terroristic threats. The grand jury proceedings included witness testimony and video evidence of the incident. In a news conference, Franklin stated that this and other information changed the narrative that Gardner acted in self-defense. Franklin said that he will be in contact with Gardner's attorney about a possible warrant for his arrest. Franklin emphasized that the grand jury made their decision on a lesser burden of proof than that which is enforced when finding guilt or innocence, which will be dealt with in the next phase of the proceedings. Protesters who've advocated and canvassed for months for Justice for James could be found yesterday afternoon hugging and celebrating what some consider a small step forward in their fight for justice. And a couple dozen gathered to place flowers at the site where Skurlock was killed in May. The one that caught me off guard was the terroristic threats. Yeah. Hopefully some closure for James Skurlock's family yeah. and friends yeah. And, and, yeah. and everybody in the community that was affected, affected by it. Yeah. All right, Jeff, do you have plans for the weekend? I don't, but tell me about some stuff. Vivian has some plans for you. This is Vivian Caniglia with our Arts and Culture Report. It's another busy week of activities in Omaha. An Omaha-based Parking Day celebration is occurring. Parking Day is considered an urbanist holiday that has been celebrated on the third Friday of September since 2005 nationally. The goal of the holiday is to make pop-up urban places that encourage communities to reconsider and recognize the value and potential held in urban spaces. Usually these spots are abandoned or used as parking lots. The events create guerrilla gardens, if you will, and use plants and seating to celebrate and show the value of the space. The Union for Contemporary Arts is hosting an event in honor of Parking Day today, Friday, September 18th, on the community lot on 24th and Lake Streets. Artwork from artists currently in the Uplift and Elevate show at the Union will be displayed to inspire conversation. The event will occur from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. 
It is free to the public and masks are required. For more information, visit the Union for Contemporary Arts Facebook page. The Union is also hosting another event, a socially distanced bike ride. Tonight, the Union is hosting Just Ride, a biking event from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. The goal is to bring local awareness to issues of mobility justice in Omaha and the world and the North Omaha Trail, which was proposed and built throughout 2019 to create access from North Omaha to the downtown area. The ride will begin at 7 p.m., beginning at Gifford Park. Attendees should arrive early. Free bikes will also be provided by Heartland B-Cycle. Visit the Union's Facebook page for more information on this event and to book your bike ahead of time if you need to. Also this Saturday, there will be a march held in North Omaha in support of the parole of Ed Poindexter. Ed Poindexter is one of two former Black Panther Party members who was given a life sentence for killing an Omaha police officer in 1970. Since the original sentencing, the release of classified documents has cast immense doubt on the case. However, the current local movement is not advocating for his innocence. Rather, the plea is for his health. At 75 years old, with multiple health conditions, Poindexter is living at high risk for COVID-19 within an overcrowded prison system. Noise correspondent Ashley Salem sat down with Ed Poindexter's niece, Erica Payne, to talk about the upcoming march and the 50 years her uncle has spent in prison. Saturday. Saturday is coming up. What, what are you feeling right now? Well, what's kind of going through your mind? A lot of anxiousness. Yeah. Um, a little scared. Um, I've had some nightmares only because of when we were growing up, uh, my grandmother, Edward's mother, raised us. We were always warned about the police threatening my family. And so it makes, you know, it just makes me a little nervous. I don't think that anything will happen. Um, but, you know, is this a thought? So your uncle, Mr. Edward Poindexter, has been in prison for about 50 years. Is that for, about yeah. right? For 50 years, yes, ma'am. Um, I was six months at the trial, and I am 50. Okay. I, when we were little, we used to visit him frequently. Um, I, I, I almost remember going like once a week. I just remember the clanging of the bars, you know, and... uh. Oh my God! Yeah, and so you can imagine how scary that is for a little kid. Because I, I think I was like seven, six or seven, or something like that. And we used to make it a family event because we wanted him to feel included still in the family. Yeah. And he, and he used to call us a lot. We used to talk to him on the phone, and uh, he used to pay for me to do different things. Uh, I. He paid for dance lessons. You know, he stayed connected, so he was still my Uncle Butch. I mean, he was just really an integral part of our family. And then after a while, he told my grandma he didn't want to have any more contact with us because it made his, he was too depressed when he, when we left, when we left, he said he was too depressed and that it made his time too hard. And so we didn't get to talk to him anymore after that. But he did um, still communicate with my grandma because I remember he bought her dentures, which I thought was funny. But uh, we really, 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 really uh, honored whatever he said. And so it was like we just did whatever he said. And it was and so I even got a letter from him when my grandmother passed away in 2011. When I got the letter from him, he said he even said he said, 
uh, don't worry about coming to visit because I, I'm coming home soon. Because we just could not in our wildest dreams imagine that they can see all that evidence and still mm-hmm. decide that he deserved mm-hmm. to be incarcerated all this time. And my black son was raised to stay from stay under the radar. That is the way, that's what I taught him. I taught him, you stay under the radar so that we don't have to hope that they will be fair with you. Just try not to get in trouble so we don't have to hope that that that, that you'll be treated fair because you see what happened to your uncle Butch. And that's 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 just the way we lived. I mean, we lived our life. I mean, I, I mean, we had an emergency plan, which was, which was horrible. I mean, you know, just the thought that you had to talk. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when I watch what's going on right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they say uh, how you talk to your black children and your black sons yeah. and your black this, yeah. this, and that. I was, was about like, to, yeah. I was about to tell already, you, yeah. You were already there. <laughs> you know, we were already there. My son can tell you what I told him. I said, you know what? If you get pulled by, over by the police, you just, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You get home. And once you're home, Mama Bear come out and fight your battle. But I want you home first. So you mm-hmm. are not to raise your voice. You are not to, not to, you are not to. But I will fight. I'll come out fighting later. But you make sure you make it home. And so this, what's going on in the United States right now is a trigger for me. Mm. some people wouldn't even imagine having to teach their kids that but so many times i mean we we have to (laughs) um and unfortunately this is something generationally that we have to teach our kids like you it's it's sad but to send them out without knowing without being prepared would we would be setting them up for failure we would absolutely be. Yeah, I mean, just totally. Just totally. And so the Poindexter children had to sit in school and learn law and justice and know it didn't apply to them. Like I like I went to class and my grand, I come home and talk to my granny and she go, that's okay. You just passed the test. You know that doesn't apply. You we 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 know that. I mean, could you could you imagine living like that? And you can learn more about this story, the deadly bombing, and Ed's controversial conviction at noiseomaha.com. On the website, you'll find an interactive timeline with photos and audio to walk you through the details of the case. Just today, part one of three was released. That's on noiseomaha.com. Thanks for listening to Melee. To hear our discussion about today's stories, listen to the Melee Discussions podcast. Wherever you are listening to this show. And that does it for this episode of Melee. This show was produced by me, Joshua LeBior. Interviews and field recording produced by Emily Chin Newton. And Vivian Coniglia. Researched and fact-checked by Anus Godar and Addy Costello. This is a collaboration of Figure, Noise, and Hi Omaha. To support the show, find us at patreon.com slash News. See you next Friday.